the themed for our uh, Wednesday night services, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and uh, we're going to start here and then we'll hit two other passages before we end uh, this evening, we get through that. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, and uh, last week we, we went back to verses 19 down to verse 21, and we talked about these uh, works of the flesh, these fruit uh, the word is used in Galatians is, is works of the flesh. And uh, so we saw that. And, um, and, uh, and so we have these works and how they're manifested, how they're shown. Uh, the, uh, that they are all a loss of control of our sinfulness and our desires and our passions. And, um, and how they are so deceptive. Now, when we move back over to verse 22, the end of verse 22, uh, actually, we'll just read these two verses together. However, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. We come to the last three group uh, we have, faith. We talked about that, faithfulness. And then we talked about, uh, we, we introduced meekness last week, and I want to jump right back to it here um, about this uh, fruit of the Spirit and uh, on meekness. Uh, Alex, I'm going to jump ahead a couple of those back to that chart, if you want to put it back to that chart, if you can. Um, and that just shows uh, on that chart, I think it was like number nine. And uh, that just shows where, uh, where we are in uh, the physical, the spiritual, relational, the lack of discipline, and how these 15, 16 attributes of the flesh are characteristic of who we are. When we come to meekness, um, uh, one person stated this, I think these three, faith, meekness, temperance, uh, this is John Maxwell, said these three are listed last because they really show maturity when we are able to conquer the flesh and be filled with the Spirit of God within our lives. And so these, these are, uh, it's not like you, you work on one and therefore you go to the next, you go to the next, and then these are the last three that you end up working on. Now all of the fruit of the Spirit are part of what we have to be working on altogether. However, these are disciplined virtues. Uh, these are disciplined virtues that means a controlling of our inner desires. That's why we talked about the inner desires earlier uh, last week. We went through that list again and saw them. Meekness is a controlling of our appetites. Uh, meekness is that portion, that self-control to control those appetites that are in us. And so we defined meekness in, in the connection with love. Meekness is love domesticating these appetites powerfully. And that's how we see this uh, meekness. Um, it's interesting that as I was thinking about um, meekness, most people think that meekness is weakness. In fact, it actually is a, a, a controlling mechanism of, of power. I watched this video of dog training back when I was attempting to train my own dogs, and uh, there was this uh, video that I watched of this dog trainer who had taken this dog into a chicken coop and, and sat at that dog in the middle of, of the chicken coop and, uh, and then let the chickens loose. And to watch that video, everything in that dog wanted to gnaw on some of those chickens. All right, slobbering and everything, but that dog had its eyes on the master. 
And, and it was just one of those, um, that's power. That dog probably in 30 seconds could have gotten rid of every one of those chickens just as, you know, and, and had, a, had a, fun, a fun day with them. But that, that control to watch, that, that is a, an example of meekness. Meekness is the antonym of weakness. It's not weakness. It's the very opposite of weakness. To be unmeek is to be weak. It's to, it's to be immature. It's, to, it's not the ability to be able to control your impulses, to control your desires. But, um, but the opposite of meekness is just letting loose, getting whatever you want, never saying no. And this does have this aspect of self-control. However, this would be seen as power under control. Meekness is a strong restraint, a powerful channeling. Uh, think of a dam or um, that how we use the, the power of water. And when we can channel that water, when we can, we can use the power of water, and it's, it's channeled through the right place, you can take that power, and in power when it's controlled, it can accomplish a lot of good. But that power out of control, and I like that, that, that phrase, that powerful channeling. That's what meekness is. Power under control. Interesting, the word, the Greek word that is used here is, uh, can be compared to, in the Greek language, the word that is actually used in this passage um, is, uh, Luanidas says, it is, it is a gentleness, a mildness, a meekness of attitude and behavior in the contrast to harshness in the way a person deals with others. So there's this gentleness. And, and it actually is in some translation uh, translated with the word gentle. However, I don't believe that that con- conveys in the English language exactly what this word means. And I think meekness is a better translation of this Greek word. Because it's not just being gentle, even though that may be the outcome. It has more the nuance of someone who is very strong and powerful being gentle. And that is displayed still in our English language in the word meek. Um, Jesus uses that word in Matthew eleven twenty nine When he says, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am what? Meek. I am meek. And then as I hand you this this yoke, which speaks nothing but power, and yet that yoke upon you is is because of my nature, is not going to be uncontrolled. It is going to be exactly what you need. It is easy and it is light. Remember, we came back to that word, I believe, at another time when we were talking about the word kindness, and we connected that with that word easy. It's the same Greek word as used of one of the fruit here, of kindness or gentleness. It doesn't rub. But here, this is also connected with the word meek. This is how God is towards us. He is mild. He is gentle. He is controlled. In times of harshness, instead of being harsh, 
to the burdens we bear, God is tender with what we are experiencing. Why? Because He is a Savior who came meek and lowly. He understands what it's like to have the feelings of harshness towards Him. And yet that is the same Spirit that He came in us in Zechariah 9 and verse 9. Behold, thy King comes, meek and sitting upon an ass, a colt of a foil. So how, how then is Jesus demonstrated as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to conquer His enemies? Not as a general warrior trampling all over His enemies. But in this passion in, in Zechariah 9, 9, He's seen as a a conqueror who has power, but he's meek. And in that meekness is being demonstrated by coming in, not with war horses and tanks and bombs, and, in, and I'm going to show you that, no, he comes in in, in, a, in a way of humble humility, not, and, and that's what is pointed out in the coming Messiah. Power under control. This is the very opposite from what the Greek world would see. Barclay says this of meekness. It is more than just something gentle and gracious. It is a secret conquest of power. And I think that's what we can see in uh, the book of Zechariah. Barclay goes on to describe the word using it in the secular way the Greeks would use it. So outside of the Bible, where is this word found in the Greek language in the first century? And um, he found it in secular writing in describing things like this. A gentle breeze. Uh, this word could be used with the wind. A gentle breeze, the wind. It's used of a gentle word. Uh, of our speech, someone who is meek in his words. It's used in um, the, the, the use of medicine, a medicine that is a soothing drug. It is used in meekness in the situation of a friend, a friend who has a gentle relationship. It's used in the meekness of a gentle disposition as far as an attitude, all right, now, as I think of these words, and I use them, I'm going to jump over to another, um, another screen, and you're going to see all of this. In, and there is a connection between all of these things. What is the connection of all of these things? Uncontrolled, these issues and these, these things are terrible and can do so much damage. Think of a wind in a hurricane or a tornado. When that is not controlled in the right place, into the right, in the right power, it can destroy an entire village and a whole state. Right? Katrina or Florida, the wind. What about a word? The way we use our speech. A gentle word can be an encouragement, but a person who is out of control can use their words to tear down. What about um, the use of medication? Medication is right and can be good in the right situation, in the right circumstance. But medication uncontrolled results in terrible, terrible consequences. Well, um, I'll go back here. What about a friend? All right. um, friendships are good as long as you have a friend who can control himself. <laughs> and the best way I could see that was, you know, uh, the gingerbread man and the cookie monster. All right. You don't want to be friends with him unless he's really controlled, right? And um, just think, and then what about, what about a friendship or, uh, or a disposition or an attitude? 
a disposition or an attitude. A person who can't control their, their temper, can't control their attitude, is a person you don't want to be around because it is so destructive. And there's some about all of these things, they are very powerful when they're not controlled. When they're controlled, they are useful. Then they are channeled through the proper examples. When they are channeled through the proper construction, they can build up and not destruct. And that's where walking in the Spirit comes in with this issue of meekness. This attitude of meekness. Um, your passion and my passion, your desires and my, pa- my desires, if we don't have the proper channel of the Holy Spirit, then, then we can destroy everything we touch. We have to have the Holy Spirit to come in in our life and control our speech, control our relationships, control our circumstances that are how we respond, our attitudes by how we respond to those circumstances Or we will destroy everything around us. And allowing the Holy Spirit to control our desires and our passions. That's where it becomes domesticated. Allowing us to walk in the Spirit. So I'm going to ask you, who controls you? There's an example, just an example that I was thinking of. What about a champion racehorse? A champion racehorse and his power. In fact, I was watching this um, at the gym the other day on the sports station. They were racing of all the things that were going on. Those little jockeys, they're, they're shorter than I am. Right? There's a guy getting up on this horse. And if, if, if you notice, I was watching them as they do their, they do their warm-ups, I guess you'd say. Um, you know, these racehorses are not the same temperament as the ones the kids rode at, at Camp Chatech this summer that we saw, all right? You got these little kids up there, and the horse, you know, horses down, and they have one of these leaders that just kind of led them. When these guys were riding them, those horses were biting each other and 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 jumping off to the side. I mean, these are, if you watch these race horses, you know, they're ADHD all right, horses, and those little guys are holding those things back because they are bred to run. And when they're just trotting around in the little dirt side by side in twos, they don't like that. And you got these guys that are holding them back. And then they put them in that. And then the, you know, the, the, the race line goes off. And then out goes this horse. Nothing but muscle and power. And, and, and guys can be, horse, these horses can be killed if they bolt. And they can, they can kill their riders the same fashion. So when you think about that. Uh, this, is, this is a horse who has submitted to the rider. Who has allowed the rider to control him. He can control the rider if he wanted to. And this is what I see in some fashion. The Holy Spirit in your life is not going to dominate you in the fact that he's going to make you do right. You've got to choose. You've got to make a choice to put off the old man and put on the new. You have to make a choice to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You have to make a decision to be filled with the Spirit and not drunk with wine. And so God is putting you in a situation where the Holy Spirit is, you've got all of Him you're ever going to have when you trusted Christ as your Savior. However, you must submit to His leadership. 
And when chaos happens and you see all these and an irritating person comes trampsing up next to you and starts barking some orders and things like that, your first response of your flesh is, I want to bite back. I'm going to hop over against you and tell you who's boss. And all of a sudden, that Holy Spirit says, eh, keep your eyes. That power that's under control. I know you can destroy them. I know that you can demand your way. I know you, are, you, you may be more... Um, intellectually stronger than them, but it is that power that is put under control. I'm not going to use that power to hurt. I'm going to I'm going to control that power and act in a right way. I also I used this as an illustration earlier. A mighty reservoir leaping through the spillway of a dam to be channeled and controlled, and the energy that it produces that can be used to comfort and light a whole subdivision. When you put it in the right place. Um, but you break that breach. And then all of a sudden it plows through whatever's in its way. Um, this is the, the Holy Spirit is that spillway. Is that dam. That is holding back the sinful nature. That, is, that, is, that wants to creep its head up and, and act in a fashion. And meekness is that surrender. To the Holy Spirit to let him control and his power to hold back those evil desires and sinfulness. Also think about an Olympic weight lifter or, um, or a soldier who, um, who, who is able in his power to be tender. I think the, the, the scripture uses an illustration of the Lord Jesus Christ meek from Zechariah 9, 9, when he comes into Jerusalem. But I, when I think of meekness to the Savior, I think of here is the one who can reach out and, and calm the winds and the waves, who can walk on water and command a legion of demons to get, get away. He can, he can confront hard-headed um, Peter. He can cast out the money changers in the temple, and he can have any argument and conversation with the Pharisees at any moment. But yet he sits down and the scripture says he tells his disciples, suffer the little children to come unto me. The Bible says that he takes the children into his possession and in, in that inner circle and he uses the children. Children don't get around people they're not comfortable with. And obviously we get this idea in the gospels that children flocked to the Savior. And the Savior in his power to control demons and call the wind and waves and command a legion of angels to come down and take him off the cross. And yet he can pick up a little toddler and in tenderness and love can show. That's power under control. That, that would be a, a similar picture of a soldier who, who is, is tender with a child. All of these show uh, power under control. Great power prevailing over a lesser power for constructive purposes. That's what we see. Um, just to give a practical application. Interesting, I found this as a quote from Aristotle himself on the word meekness and the spirit of meekness. Notice how this conflicts with the actual Roman 
idea of meekness. The Romans saw meekness as weakness and because they viewed power in a very different way. However, the early Greeks always saw meekness as something very interesting. So from Aristotle, he says this, meekness is the medium between excessive proneness to anger and the incapacity for anger. The man who is meek feels angry on the right grounds against the right person in the right manner at the right moment for the right length of time. And when was the last time you ever did that? All right. And he said, at all times, meekness means we will err on the side of forgiveness. That's coming from a pagan who, who has an understanding of this word that is used here of a virtue. We all have energies and appetites that will drive us. Can I, can I just mention these? I don't want to prolong them because we talked about some of them last week. We have physical drives. These physical drives drive our body. Meekness controls these desires so they don't destroy us and our marriages. What are the two physical strong drives in the flesh? Food. The desire for food, we can put in there if you want to add the three, the desire for sleep and the desire for sex. Those are the three physical drives that are within a person. And the scripture has something to say about all three of those things. And meekness is is the ability to come in and channel that power to control those physical drives in a way. Um... In a, in a loss of uh, meekness in the issue of sleep, that's going to be a person who is lazy, undisciplined, wants to stay in the bed. Read Proverbs. He's got a few things to say about that. A person who does not have self-control in his physical desire to eat for food. The Proverbs also talks about that with the sin of gluttony. And then we talked a little bit about this uncontrolled passion in the, in the flesh uh, last week with the list of the works of the flesh. There are emotional drives. The passions and the feelings. Uh, the power of passions. You say, someone said this, emotions are good servants, but they're terrible masters. And when we get all our emotions out of whack, and we don't have meekness, the, 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 the desire then is to just let every know, everybody know how we feel. And then we become a, it becomes our master and we become a servant to our feelings. And even the Lord Jesus Christ showed so much meekness in the garden when he prayed, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. His emotions were crying out, if it is any possible, let this cup pass for me. But he asked the Lord, he, he, he surrendered himself. And surrendered his power into the hands of the Father. And what he was feeling in his emotions. Meekness controls these desires so our emotions, emotions do not drive us. Intellectual drives. Intellectual drives the mind. The power of the mind. You can hurt people with your mind. By belittling them. And manipulating them. The parameters for the exercise of the mind are set forth in Philippians 4 and verse 8. Whatsoever things, those are the things we ought to think on. 
Meekness controls these desires, these intellectual powers of our mind to control our, our thinking so we don't blurt out the very first thing that our mind thinks. This, this would be the student in the classroom who's got to have the answer for everything so that they make sure all the other students in the classroom know they're the smartest one in the class for the purpose of belittling the others who don't get the answer as quick as they do. Meekness is I know the answer, but I'm going to let someone else answer it because it's not about me. This is where this comes on. And sometimes smart people can't control their mind because what they think is going to come out of their mouth. So just, just being careful. Volitional drives as well. If you want to say this as well. Volitional drives. This is our will. Meekness controls these desires so that our choices are determined by truth so our decisions are not led, uh, lead us astray. These are our volitionals. Um, Genesis 3 and verse 5. They, the, uh, the devil tempted Eve with this area, your drive. You could be like God, knowing both good and evil. What do you think that, that got to Adam and Eve? The ability to choose and to know good and evil. However, there was a hidden agenda behind that. Because they would be like God, knowing good and evil, but they would also recognize that they were naked. Now they were ashamed because their sin had taken over them. And the devil tempted them on their will. With our will, we often make decisions with eternal implications. When we choose the beginning of the way, you simultaneously choose the end of the way, whether you like it or not. You see, Satan always makes the beginning of the way attractive and he blinds our minds to the end of the way. Satan will not show us the end, but makes the beginning look good. But our choices will always impact our end. We are willful people and stubborn about it. And we need meekness to control our decisions, our impulses to buy that car or to purchase that item. That would just put us farther in debt. Or maybe we haven't counted the cost at the end. Or to take this substance. Or to, to do this. Or to go here. Or to, 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 to participate in that. That is our decision. And we see the, the, the first portion. And how it's good to taste. But we don't consider the end of the result. And meekness is being able to say. You know what? I don't need to choose that. I don't need to do that. Because there may be consequences that won't be good for me. And I need to count the cost First, you see, these are powers that that desperately need domesticating our mind, our emotions, our will and our body. We desperately need meekness to come in the Holy Spirit through this fruit of meekness to come in and tame us. Tame us. We're the racehorse. We need to be tamed. And we need the Holy Spirit to do that. In the Bible, meekness is the taming of these types of things. And I just give you an illustration when we choose, yeah, um, uh, Dr. Doug McLaughlin, um, who is the teacher, um, made this quote, when we choose the beginning of the way, we simultaneously choose the end of the way. 
Uh, just to give you, just for the sake of illustration, I don't want to pull this too much. We're coming close to the end. Uh, Hitler's favorite person. I began last week with Hitler as an illustration. Hitler, Hitler's famous uh, favorite person was Nietzsche. And he coined the term, God is dead. He was said this, assert yourself, care for nothing except yourself. The only vice is weakness and the only virtue is strength. Be strong. Be a superman. The world is yours if you work hard enough for it. That is rationalism and humanism at its core. Hedonism. Evolution. Here's the contrast between Nietzsche and Christ. Nietzsche said, assert yourself. Nietzsche said, the world is yours if you can get it. Nietzsche says, might is right. This is the philosophy by which Hitler tried to take over the world. Christ said, humble yourself. Christ said, the world is yours if you deny it. You renounce it. He actually is right, is might. Doing the right thing, the right time, is power that's under control. Two, two biblical pictures of meekness. And we got four, four minutes, and you can do your own study. I'm just going to give you this. I could actually take, take the whole time on both of these, but I think I give you enough information that you can soak on in the next couple of days. And we're going to move to temperance next week, which is very similar, but a little bit different. Two biblical pictures of meekness. So we'll just say this from Psalm 37. Psalm 37, in this psalm, David is facing a very difficult situation. In fact, if you want to just turn over there just to be able to see it, and you can, you can just see it with your own eyes. I don't have time to dwell on it, but I think it would be good for you to see this. An example of meekness lived out in the practical day of life. In the Old Testament, in Psalm 37... This is a famous psalm. In fact, I like verse 3 or 4 and 5, one of my favorite verses in the psalms. But if you look down in verse 12, David finds himself facing wicked men who were slandering him, who the wicked plot against me. They gnashed their teeth upon me. They were plotting to take his life in verse 14. They have, uh, they have drawn out their swords. They've bent their bows. They cast down the poor and the needy. They're ready to slay me. They're planning to steal his authority in verse 12 and 24. They're plotting to take over the throne and take his authority. Uh, verse 7 and 35, they're prospering as they do all of this. Um, so here their way is prospering in the middle of verse 7. And then in verse 35, I have seen the wicked in great power spreading himself like a green tree, like a green bay tree. They just go out and do exactly what they want and they get away with it. And yet, what was David to do in, in the face of his enemies when it looked like all hope was lost? He, in this verse, in verse 3, he trusted in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. And so shalt thou dwell in the land, verily shalt thou be fed. Verse 5, he says, not only trust in the Lord, but commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. In verse 7, he says, we should rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. 
Don't get ahead of God. Let him vindicate. And then verse 8, he says, I have to cease from my anger. I can't retaliate in the way that I want to. Anger and wrath, they come into me. I have to forsake it. I have to get rid of it. And then this here is not weakness because some people would see, well, David, you could have just come right in there and just taken control and, and kill all of your enemies. No, instead he shows strength. And the strength here is in a situation where meekness is deep trust in the sovereignty, the wisdom, and the power of Yahweh in the face of hard circumstances. That's what meekness does. Everything else is against you. In a practical fashion, and I'm not going to even just go through this because I don't have time to read it here. But James chapter 1 and verse 19 and 21. Meekness in a practical standpoint on, in, the, in this passage of James is talking about our tongue and, and our words and how we speak, how we, how we channel that. We have to be slow to anger. We have to be swift to hear and slow to speak. I mean, that whole section right there is just meekness in practical form. Try that in your home. This is going to be meekness coming out. Um, so whether it's a hard circumstance, a difficult situation, job circumstance, somebody that is against you, or, um, or finding yourself in opposition where you respond in committing your way to the Lord, resting in the Lord instead of taking matters in your own hand and dealing with it, giving it over to the Lord, and here obeying the hard mandates of Scripture, which is not responding with my words and my anger, but allowing my actions to be dictated by surrendering myself to the Lord. Father, I pray as we close tonight, uh, meekness is such a... A, a difficult virtue. Uh, we all have our strengths. And our strengths oftentimes can become our greatest weaknesses. The things that we're prone to be tempted. Even if we went through that list. Both some, everyone in some way has a proneness to one of these areas. Emotions. Physical. Will. Um, intellectual. And Lord, we need meekness to come in and to help us domesticate these appetites, to tame these appetites, to surrender our, our, our decisions and our thoughts and our desires into your hands. And um, Lord, see this, this controlling channel, this, this powerful energy that now is used for doing what is good and showing restraint. And Lord, I pray that you would help us that we would practice this in our words and uh, in, our, in our ability to listen instead of speaking first and, uh, and even in our hard circumstances that we find ourselves into. Uh, bless us as we go tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, God bless you. You are dismissed.